Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The two best words in all of sports. Game seven. The Dallas Stars passed a huge test against the Seattle Kraken in just that situation. Also, how do teammates handle John Morant now? And why the Sixers loss is another mark against James Harden. I'm Kainani Stevens, in for Peter Bukowski. Kraken and Stars in Game 7 last night. We're checking in with Dane Lewis from Locked on Stars because what a finish to that. Game 7s are always great, but this one, the dramatics, I know you were in the building. Just talk me through those last couple of minutes there and what went down. Yeah, it was absolutely insane what went down in that building in Dallas, a, a city that you know a lot of people on the outside looking in might not recognize as a hockey town. But, I mean, there were 18,000-plus people in that building, and every single one of them, dialed in from the first puck drop all the way to the very end. And I mean, everyone is thrilled to see this team advance to the Western Conference finals. And I mean, it certainly hasn't been easy through these first two series. The Stars now only halfway to the ultimate goal, which is to win a championship. But I mean, with only four teams remaining, there's a, a lot of buzz here in Dallas around this team and a, a lot of excitement for, you know, what what this season has in store, just given, you know, the the talent on the roster and who's coaching the team. There's a lot to be excited about. Uh, for current Stars fans, and I'm, I'm sure they're adding plenty of new fans here along the way as they make this playoff run. Did your heart drop a little in those like last that last goal with 17 seconds left? I know it's not that long, but <laughs> yes. hockey is just crazy. So yeah, no, absolutely. I, no, I don't think we were expecting it. Anyone in the building just with how Jake Ottinger had, been, had played up to that point, and uh, it just felt very fitting that the game was going to end 2-0. So yes, my my heart did sink, but uh, it was it's good. I mean, it's healthy to. I guess, you know, have that roller coaster of emotions, but uh, just a, a little road bump in what was ultimately a, a successful evening, I'd say, for the Stars. Jake Ottinger has had quite a series. Um, he struggled. He shined uh, last night. Uh, what does it say about him to be able to go from what he went through in game six to the performance he had in game seven? Yeah, well, I mean, just from the the brief time I've had covering the team over, you know, last season and this season, I don't, I don't know if I can think of another athlete that I've watched or, you know, viewed that has the mental toughness that Jake Ottinger has. Cause he, he I mean, he admitted this post game after game seven that, you know, he and no other player is going to come out and be perfect every single night, mm -hmm. but it's how you respond to those bad performances or the times that you do face adversity. And Jake Ottinger has shown through the early stages of his career. And especially here in the postseason that he, knows how to respond and he knows how to shake off those bad performances. He gets pulled in game six after allowing several goals. And then he comes into game seven, nearly pitches the shutout. And it's unbelievable. Just a, a kid who's in his early twenties, still in some ways finding his footing here in the NHL. But I mean, he plays with such poise and such a, you know, level head that you don't see very often from guys, his age. And uh, there's just a, a, a nice balance of humility, but also, that edge and that swagger that you need to be a, a professional goalie in the NHL and one that's looking to help their team win a Stanley Cup. So, it, I mean, it's that mental toughness that few people have, but Jake Ottinger has it in bunches, and it, it was on display here in Game 7. I think now the record is, I want to say, 23-1-3 this entire season for Jake Ottinger coming off of a loss, and, I mean, he's nearly impossible to beat if the Dallas Stars are coming off a game that they've lost. 
really hit the nail on the head there because it's not only you know having that men- the skill set that he has, but also the mental capacity to be able to go from a, mm-hmm. a really low like that and then bounce back and just kind of wipe the slate clean and play well in game seven. So much of this time of the year, we talk about teams that are you know really hitting their stride and just getting hot at the right time. Does it really feel like Dallas is kind of just understanding like how they need to play together to win no matter who their opponent is? Yeah, I, I think that that's really kind of what what the the entire team is starting to realize that you know it really is a team game at this point. I mean, of course, you need your your superstars to step up. That includes Jake Ottinger uh, and guys like Rope Hints, who's been incredible this postseason. Jason Robertson is still looking to to get into a little bit more of a goal scoring streak, but I mean, it really is a team effort at this point. You look at past champions from from any season, not just in recent memory, but. I mean, it's the superstar players that do some of the heavy lifting, but really games can be won and lost in the, you know, the bottom six of those forward lines or a depth defenseman making a really key play in the defensive zone or, you know, keeping a puck in play in the offensive zone. It's the little things. And and that's something that the stars typically do very well with when they play. The attention to detail is typically on point with this team. So I expect them to continue this sort of team play trend that they've carried through the first two rounds and with Pete DeBoer as the head coach, I, I think that that's going to stay intact. But I mean, it's been fun to watch this group mesh from really, you know, the start of the last postseason. This is a lot of the same team, a few new pieces here and there, but it's a lot of that same core. And even if you want to go back to 2020 when they were last in the Stanley Cup finals, a lot of those veteran key pieces are still around too. So this team has grown and meshed together. They've grown together, been through a lot together, but it's starting to, you know, bear fruit. Uh, some of the adversity that they face and some of the challenges that they've run into along the way. And I think it's made them better and stronger as a group. Stay up to date all year on the Dallas Stars by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Stars on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Grizzlies have a tough road ahead with John Morant. Before we get to that, though, a former Arizona Cardinals executive has levied quite the accusation against ownership. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. You just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to win that first no-sweat first bet if you don't win. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spread to which team will win the NBA championship. You can go check out that first game of the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers and Nuggets. Vandal likes Jokic and company at home by six points. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join Vandal today. So just go to Vandal.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with Vandal. They are an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Arizona Cardinals are entering a new era with a new head coach and a new general manager. However, serious accusations were raised against team owner Michael Bidwell by former Cardinals vice president Terry McDonough back in April. McDonough has accused Bidwell in an arbitration claim filed to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell of gross misconduct which includes, by definition, cheating, discrimination, and harassment. One claim involves prohibited communication with former Cardinals general manager Steve Keim during his suspension. The Cardinals have denied these allegations. The team has said McDonough was insubordinate and even had clashes with colleagues. 
Peacock will become the home to the first ever exclusive live streamed NFL playoff game. They will be presenting an NFL wildcard playoff in primetime on Saturday, January 13, 2024. NBC Universal and the NFL announced on Monday that Peacock's exclusive wildcard game will immediately follow a late afternoon NFL wildcard playoff game on NBC and Peacock. With the two Saturday NFL wildcard games and a Sunday primetime NFL wildcard game on NBC and Peacock, NBC Universal will be the first media company to present three NFL playoff games in one single weekend. Shohei Otani just takes over sometimes, like he did on Monday as the Angels beat the Orioles. Oh my Tani. Shohei Otani proves why he is the unicorn yet again. What's going on, everybody? John Frisch, one half of Locked On Angels. The Halos roll into Baltimore and win the first game of the series, 9-5 on the back of a Shohei Otani start on the mound, where he went seven innings pitch. He did give up five, but they came on three home runs. Two of them were two-run shots. One was a solo shot, and it was all about pitch location on those home runs. Just a little mistake there. But here's the thing. He earned it all back by going four for five with a three-run home run and just shy of the cycle, missed out on that double. Man, almost became the first starting pitcher in MLB to hit for the cycle. And meanwhile, the rest of the Halos got in on this one. Chad Wallach goes three for five with a home run. His first day back off the IL. Hunter Renfro gets two doubles. Gio Urshela goes two for four with a double and two RBIs. Man, the Angels really needed this win. I got to tell you. We'll talk about it on Locked on Angels. We hope you'll join us. The St. Louis Cardinals scored a lot of runs yesterday, like a whole lot of runs. This might be them starting to turn things around. A struggling Jack Flaherty back on the hill. Wilson Contreras back behind the plate in first place Milwaukee coming to St. Louis. Set up for a disaster, right? Wrong. Hey, it's JD from Lockdown Cardinals. And Monday night, Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals offense appear to take a month of frustrations out on the Brewers, blasting them 18-1 to at Bush Stadium. Nolan Arnato stays hot, hitting a home run in his fourth straight game and drives in four. Nolan Gorman hits his club-leading 10th home run of the season and drives in five. He now leads the National League in RBIs out of nowhere. Andrew Kisner hits a grand slam tonight, albeit off of a position player, but it still counts. But the big story on this one was Jack Flaherty, who looked as good as we've seen him in a couple of years. He hurls seven shutout innings, he strikes out 10, and ends the night with a kiss from his mom in the dugout. Perfect. Heads up, NL Central. The Cardinals have now won four in a row and seven of their last eight. For the latest updates and info, be sure to keep it locked on Cardinals. And the New York Mets struggles continue. The New York Mets had a chance to win their first series in nearly a month on Monday, and they came out flat, could not score on Patrick Corbin, and David Peterson once again was brutal. This is Ryan Finkelstein, the host of Locked On Mets, and on tomorrow's show, I'll be discussing how David Peterson went from a promising campaign in 2022 to a great spring training heading into this year to somehow becoming the worst starting pitcher in baseball. Also, boneheaded plays like Francisco Alvarez getting picked off first base with the bases loaded that led to another disappointing end to a series as this team continues to look nothing like the group that won 101 games last season. Here is another story you need to know. John Morant is back in the news for all of the wrong reasons. Locked on Grizzlies hosts Joe and DeMichael will wonder at how the team is going to handle this latest news. You mentioned, you know, the, the teammates, you know, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. 
you know, Desmond Bain's off taking pictures with the Cal Bridges. That's one of the things I want to talk what, about. That's what we should have been that's, talking about, right? Hello. Yes, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but at the same time, now we're looking at a situation where how's Bain going to respond to this? How's Jaron going to respond to this? In the past, they've said, oh, we're all with Jaw. We want Jaw to get better. We want to help him out. Again, maybe that was the PR savvy, don't say too much kind of line of thinking. But this is the second time that one of those key pillars of the Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzlies moving forward, arguably the most important pillar of the Grizzlies moving forward, has done something that directly impacts their stated goal of competing for a championship. It makes him, John Morant, look extremely unserious every time he says that. If he really cared about that, he would not be doing the things that he's doing. So assuming that Desmond Bain seriously cares and assuming that Jaron Jackson Jr. seriously cares, and we have no evidence to suggest that they don't and they back it up in their work and all the things they do, how do these players, how do they respond? I'm curious as to how Taylor Jenkins interacts with all this, Zach Kleiman, and again, we're, we're uh, towards the end of our show here. We got a lot mm-hmm. that we can unpack, uh, mm-hmm. but just how the Grizzlies moving forward perceive and interact with Ja after that trust was kind of broken again. Yeah. I, so I'm going to touch on two quick hitters here. Okay. And I want to start with Taylor Jenkins. Is he, I, I, I know he's holding Ja Morant accountable on the floor, but is there that same accountability to the mistakes? Ja, that's stupid. Ja, what are you doing? You know, it, it it has to be that, too. Desmond Bain, I've always said it, and I've written about it. Desmond Bain is the most natural leader left uh, on this team. Agreed. And it's because, again, there's so many factors here. I think about when, you know, the Grizzlies are struggling, and, and, and John Morant skips media, or Dylan Brooks skips media. Uh, Desmond Bain is, is, is going to sit right there. I've seen games Desmond Bain shoot 3 of 16. Mm-hmm. And he's he's still the same even kill guy after the game, but he has that confidence and that swagger that says, "Hey, we're going to get better for this." I've seen times where other teammates have been down. Zaire Williams towel draped over his head, head down in the locker room, doesn't want to really talk to anybody, and everybody's just walking past him, walking past him. And then there's Desmond Bain. Z, lift your head up. He's a natural leader. He is the guy that's best positioned on this team uh, to not only say something to Ja and prove it with the words. But guess what? He can hoop too. He averaged 21, pretty much five and five and on a bad foot. So there's that perspective of, yeah, I'm going to tell you to do this, but I can do it a little bit myself as well. And I think now this kind of, I won't say pressure, but it puts more of the emphasis on the fact that Desmond Bain, yes, it's only going to be year four for him, but he has to be more of that leader. And the reason I'm emphasizing Des more than Jaron, because I think Jaron is becoming that leader as well. But Jaron, to me, this is my opinion, isn't more of the natural leader that Desmond Bain is. Remember, I've heard stories where guys like Dylan Brooks, guys like Desmond Bain, they have to tell, you know, Jaron, we want you to be more of a dog. We want you to be, you know, more of that guy. You don't got to tell Desmond Bain to be more of a dog. It's, it's naturally there. But at the same time, Jaron tenfold has improved drastically with his communication on the court he has all the leadership skills from that standpoint but i think a situation like this this is when you need desmond bain to be that guy who can kind of carry this team through the offseason who can we talk about the grizzlies having a group chat can be the guy in the group chat say ja get it together we need you uh, you can't do this anymore i mean you can't make these simple these mistakes because it reflects on us as well he can be that guy 
Stay up to date all year long on the Memphis Grizzlies by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Grizzlies wherever you get your podcasts from and on YouTube. Coming up, James Harden continues to take it on the chin after another playoff exit. Philadelphia 76ers had an opportunity to exercise some demons and advance to the Eastern Conference Final, but that was quickly and emphatically dashed by the Boston Celtics in Game 7 earlier this week. Howard Beck joined David Locke on Locked On NBA and sees this as a referendum on Harden. I look at Harden and I look at Embiid and I look at just kind of the the the, the body language of that team and their two stars in particular. And you just said it, you know, where this is only reinforcing all the skepticism we've ever had about these guys. It just looked like they had nothing left, whether that was physically, mentally, emotionally. Uh, it was just shocking how, how deflated and passive they suddenly looked um, as that third quarter started to develop. And as the, the Celtics start pulling away, it looked like the Sixers had no will to counter punch. And they certainly have the talent to do so. Now, is this a, is this just the? Um, I don't want to start building an excuses for the Sixers, but is is, is this just the the uh, uh, you know overall impact of Embiid playing on a sprained LCL for the last however many weeks? You know he he sprains his knee in the in the in the tail end of the net series. He presumably wasn't you know if if it had been a normal part of the season, he could have been out. He would have just been resting for a month. Um, is it that? Is it something else? Is it that? James Harden still doesn't have the stamina after all these years because we've seen this happen to him again and again and again. But here they were on the verge of, and I listen. I think about this in, through the prism of Harden more than Embiid. I know Embiid's the MVP. He's got he's the one with the target on him now. He's the younger one. Embiid still got plenty of years left to try to 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 you know change his postseason narrative. There have been circumstances. He's you know Doc said it yesterday, and I don't think Doc's wrong to say this. It'd be nice if MB just had one postseason where he was really healthy. And we can do the whole cliche about everybody's banged up this time of year. Yes, but there's degrees of that. And that was, a, 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 I think, a serious-ish knee injury that, you know, especially for a guy of his size who needs to do all the things he does and not just under the basket, but, uh, you know, up and down the floor and on the perimeter. That's a really tough one to deal with. Harden has no excuse in my mind, this, this, this was yet another version of Harden. Yes. He had a couple of great games in the series. He had, he had some outstanding moments in this postseason, but this, this is absolutely reinforcing everything that we've seen in a very long postseason track record from James Harden, where he repeatedly fails to deliver when his teams need him most. I'm not sure exactly what the changes need to be, but something has to change in Philadelphia. And that certainly comes with the roster, whether that's Harden leaving town and bring some other pieces to build around Embiid or trying to retain Harden and just figuring out what the role players are going to need to do. Philly just does not have it with the way their roster is currently constructed. And finally, Aaron Judge hit two home runs on Monday night as the Yankees beat the Blue Jays. It was Aaron Judge's 30th multi-home run game of his career. Judge trails only Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, and Joe DiMaggio in Yankees multi-homer game history. Quite the illustrious company. We are certainly seeing all-time greatness right now in the Bronx. Thank you for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, will the Lakers or the Nuggets get the advantage in the first game of the Western Conference Finals? At least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.